4: I'm Jason Kelsey, and you're watching the NFL
1: Report. Welcome in to another edition of the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve White, with you. Jason Kelsey, a pro bowler that's been on this show. There's been quite a few. How about who's going to be on the show today, Steve? How about Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa? Am I right? Bingo. Bingo. From the Cleveland Browns, the star linebacker for... Jim Schwartz's group is going to join us and one of the best-dressed guys in the NFL. We'll also have Cameron Wolf, who knows the Dolphins better than anybody else. He'll be at that Dolphins-Bills game this weekend, the game of the week. Judy Batista also joins us, bringing down some coaching sides of the NFL. As we know, Monday is right around the corner, Steve. We're going to talk Bill Belichick and also Baldy's favorite films. Oh, yeah. Brian Baldinger is with us. He's going to talk about the Texans' defense, Steve, that nobody should be sleeping on. We'll see if they get into the postseason.
5: But, JP, you mentioned the Pro Bowlers. We know there's no more real Pro Bowl. They play dodgeball and things like that. But let's just take a list. Of the Pro Bowlers who showed up on our little show, the NFL Report. We've had Alec Ingold. Oh, Jason Kelsey, Justin Simmons, Jesse Bates the third, and Joel Batonio. Six Pro Bowlers have been on this show. We are not playing around. Remember, we are also a podcast, so you can listen to us. And JP, I want to talk some Pro Bowls. And just my, my little bit here is like I've seen a lot of Pro Bowl respect here. Remember, the majority of the emphasis on who gets to the Pro Bowl, it's a peer issue. And the fact that Jalen Ramsey of the Miami Dolphins has played in only nine games but has turned around their defense and makes the Pro Bowl, that's game-recognizing game. We're seeing some tape of him right here playing outside. He plays inside. But his peers understand how much he has meant to that team. Also, the Jaguars' pass rusher, Josh Allen, who's in a contract year, by the way. Monster year. Monster year. He finally shows up. when when wondering when the switch was going to go off for him. He makes the Pro Bowl. And lastly, Aaron Donald, if you paid attention to him, yeah, the sack numbers aren't there, but he continues to be one of the most disruptive defenders in the NFL. He hasn't had some of the veteran support around him, but those young guys like Byron Young making the play right here, steering him into Aaron Donald, have showed up. So salute to game-recognizing game and these three very worthy men going into the Pro Bowl.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll go with a guy I remember covering his pro day. And he did his interview with me down in Miami, topless. And if I had, it was of built course. like Dave Njoku, I would have done a topless as well. <laughs> and his emergence, the back end of this season, has been remarkable since Joe Flacco has been the quarterback. Since week 14, I think he's second in the NFL in receiving arts. That's everyone. I think that's a very worthy nomination, considering he wanted out, wanted to get traded. Now he's a fan favorite, chugging beers with guys uh, in, in the stands there in Cleveland. It's been a remarkable story for David Njoku this season. But I'm going to go with two snubs. You talked about game getting recognized. I don't think LeJarius Sneed's game has not been recognized at all in the NFL this year. He is one of the few top corners, Steve, you are right, that travels with number ones. It's the way Steve Spagnuolo does it, and he has shut down number one receivers week in and week out. And the other one, Antoine Winfield Jr. He should have been our seventh Pro Bowler that we had on this show, he had one of the best safety seasons in the NFL this year. I would say it's him and Kyle Hamilton, really the two best safety performances this year. He led all safeties with five sacks, five forced fumbles. Four fumble recoveries, top three in tackles, pass defense. He was everywhere on the field. And when I talk to guys that play in the secondary, Steve, in locker rooms across the league the last few weeks, they've been telling me Antoine Winfield Jr. has been remarkable this year. That's the biggest snub. I tweeted about it. Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator, actually responded to my tweet and said, yeah, with the emoji of one of these right here. I like that he follows me, too. But he had one of these emojis. <laughs> put me up on the screen here, Steve. The one that, that, that the thinking, like the, hmm, I don't know what's going on here, kind of emojis uh, to Antoine Winfield Jr. getting snubbed.
5: Well, you're absolutely right, JP. That he, he should have been in. I mean, both those guys should have been in. I mean, LeJarrius Sneed, come on. That, that dude, yeah. he's about to get paid. Might not be yeah. by the Chiefs, but he's one of the best corners in the Probably NFL. Well, talking about pro bowlers, C.D. Lamb is a pro bowler, and they got a big game coming up this week.
2: Back to throw, they blitz him from the safety spot, and Prescott escapes that, runs to his right, throws on the run to the middle of the field, Lamb at the 50, no one will get anywhere near him, Lamb could crawl in if he wanted to, C.D. Lamb, 92 yards from Dak Prescott for the Dallas touchdown.
5: And of course, that's a play call from last week's touchdown that C.D. Lamb had when Dak Prescott escaped out of the end zone by a whiffed. Blitz pick up there, but that's one thing you know. James, when we look, when we look at the Cowboys. Like it's crazy how the conversation normally we're always talking about the Cowboys. We really have kind of bypassed them when all they have to do is win at Washington to clinch the NFC East this week. They will be the number two seed if that is the case. And James, I think this is one of the more dangerous teams should they get into the postseason. Mm -hmm. And here's why. We just saw the combination of Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb. Lamb had 228 yards right there with him playing in the slot. at his size and his his speed. (laughs) Teams are just finding it absolutely impossible to cover him. And that combination, when they get into the postseason, they can find a lot of favorable matchups, and that's opening up the run game a little bit, using him in the slot Again, do you double him and leave Brandon Cooks open? Because now all of a sudden Brandon Cooks is getting into the end zone. He's not putting up 100-yard games, but he is scoring points. And what CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott have going on, JP, is why I think the Dallas Cowboys have a great shot of beating Washington this week. They better not sleep. But getting that number two seed and hosting at least one playoff game in
1: Dallas. Steve, what I'm going to piggyback on is the highlights that you're seeing if you're watching this show. If you're listening to the show, I'll describe them to you. You saw CeeDee Lamb run his original route, and then Dak Prescott broke free. CeeDee Lamb puts his arm in the air, and they throw the ball deep. What the two of them have on what a lot of defensive players call the second play I think is the difference in this offense this year, it's the difference in maybe why we see the Cowboys have a different run in the postseason. It was a big thing that Mike McCarthy was working on with Dak Prescott back to training camp. Everybody was curious about the interceptions and how Dak was playing. Well, a lot of what they were trying to do was have him play off schedule, When the play breaks down, scramble, play outside of the pocket. When I talked to people in Dallas this year, when I was preparing to cover a couple of their games, it was this. He finally trusts playing outside of the pocket, Steve. And what happens in the postseason? Defensive coordinators, they dial everything up. And really, very few times, everything goes right for what you want to do offensively. So when things break down and you can make plays scrambling, and that's one thing that CeeDee Lamb's great with, with Dak Prescott, that you can extend the play, you're more dangerous in the postseason. Look at the quarterbacks that have had tremendous success of late, and they're all good at it. And Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, I can, you know, the list could go on. The guys that can improvise and create Josh Allen, that is needed in the postseason, and I think that aspect of Dak's game improving and showing its face this year makes them a little bit more dangerous.
5: Here's what's interesting going into Week 18, though: if they are the number two seed, they could face a team like the Packers or the Rams in the first round. But if they fall to the wild card seed at number five, they'll play the winner of the NFC South. That might be a more more of an open door for them, except they have to go on the road where they're really not very good this season. Well, J.P., we also have a couple teams that are in some win and in scenarios. Okay, we've mm-hmm. got the Jags. We've got the Colts. We have the Texans who play the Colts, the Buccaneers, and the Packers. Of those teams, which one do you think if, and that's a big if, they get in, could actually win a playoff game or two.
1: I'm going to go with the Houston Texans. And and these are the reasons why. Because they have, I believe, a very talented coaching staff that has prepared them extremely well throughout the season. And that is needed, as I mentioned earlier, in the postseason to have brilliant game plans specifically on defense for these offenses. Two, they're an explosive offense. And we just haven't seen explosive offenses throughout this NFL season. And they can put points on the board very quickly. And it's because of their quarterback, who Baldy was on this show last week. Steve, remember just saying, C.J. Stroud just isn't rattled. He just makes it look like a can of corn back there. To quote Baldy, and I don't think the playoffs are going to be a big stage for him at all. He's played on massive stages, and he's great late in games. That's the other aspect. That's of it. huge. They've had heroic finishes. In this regular season, why would they not be able to do it in the postseason? Why would teams not fear it in the postseason? What bums me out a little bit is some of the injuries that they're dealing with at this point in the season in terms of getting after the quarterback. They're a little bit banged up. Up front, they're a little bit banged up. But getting C.J. Stroud back, I think they're still dangerous. They may not even get into the postseason. They play on Saturday. But if they get in, I think of these teams in the win and get in situation, I think they're the ones that are most dangerous to win a playoff game.
5: Well, and we know the bills are also in a win a situation. We've been talking for weeks. Like, if they get in, they can make a Super Bowl run. So, we kind of excluded them on purpose just because these are more of the fringe teams that we'll are really been fighting. In yeah, you know, fighting big time to get in. JP, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. Now, they play their rival, the Bears, who are playing Ooh. very well in Week 18. But here's why I like the Packers. Now that they've got Aaron Jones back, their running game is working. They are playing complementary football. Jordan Love, as we have seen, has gotten better and better. They've had to Inconsistencies through the season, but they have mm-hmm. also beaten some playoff caliber teams, such as they have beaten the Detroit Lions, they've beaten the Saints, they've beaten the Rams, and they've beaten the Chiefs. You cannot say that about some of the teams that we just talked about. Again, not That's saying point. that they couldn't in these situations. But the fact that the Packers have been here and they've won some games with some big performances uh, on a pretty big stage, I like them. Should they get in, that should also be very pleasing to one of our producers, Jeff Collette, who is a big Packers fan. (laughs)
1: I love that. And what I find interesting real quick, Steve, is that neither one of us mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I believe all of us had extremely high expectations heading into the season. Massive expectations for Trevor Lawrence in year two with Doug Peterson. We'll see. Things could come together. Christian Kirk looks like he's coming back. That'd be a uh, big change for them. So that could be a big, big thing for them. But very, very interesting that neither one of us picked them. Coming up, we mentioned the Bills, Steve. So we will get to them and Cameron Wolf. Joining the show next, Josh Allen, or as Vic Fangio calls him, John Elway on steroids. Can he do it again down in Miami? We'll find out from Cameron Wolf next on the Inside Scoop on this massive game in Week 18 on the NFL Report.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
6: Uh,
5: we are back at the NFL report. And JP, we're now joined by our man, Cameron Wolf. And real quick, Cam, we got to remind people this yeah. is also a podcast. So listen yep. to the podcast so they can hear great discussions like we're about to have about the Bills and the Dolphins. This is the game of the weekend. And the Buffalo Bills have pretty much owned, for lack of a better uh, verbiage here, the Miami yes. Dolphins. Josh Allen, 10 and 2 against the Dolphins. Now he is facing a Dolphins defense without Jalen Phillips, without Bradley Chubb, they're two edge guys, Xavier Howard. Mm. We don't know his injury status. How does Vic Fangio get this defense schemed up to stop an offense that is rolling in the run and pass games?
2: Well, Steve, man, this is quite a challenge. You know I love the wire. This is like the the king stays the king. You yeah. come at the king, you bet it's not missed, right? It's not missed. The Bills have been the king of the AFC East, <laughs> and the and the Dolphins had them. They had three-game lead with five left. It looked like this game might not have mattered for the division, but the Bills hawked them down, and now it's a winner-take-all. And the reality is, with Bradley Chubb's injury, they're going to have to figure out some pass rush with Emmanuel Agba. Uh, he's going to get a big uptick in snaps with them. But the bigger news, you just mentioned mentioned that Xavier Howard is expected to miss this game with a foot injury and why that's huge. Because the last time they played Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen went off and they went off because Jalen Ramsey was out that game. And so they only had one top corner. And if you know anything about Vic Fangio's defense this year, he has a little bit of reluctance to shadow corners. And so it's going to be interesting schematically what they do this week because Eli Apple's going to start on the other side of Jalen Ramsey Stefan Diggs has not had the numbers over the last few weeks, as you would uh, expect, but he's still Stefan Diggs. And that's still Josh Allen, who's torched this Dolphins team. And so I talked to Vic Fangio earlier today. He said that, look, the reason why we don't shadow is usually because we have two top corners. But I have shown an ability to do it in my past. So he hinted that it's a possibility that they could go the shadow route with Jalen Ramsey like they did against the Jets with Gary Wilson, I think they definitely need to figure out something, or this could be a long day for that defense.
1: And it's so interesting, Cam, with Vic Fangio. I'm just thinking how he's looking at all this film and trying to dissect it. You talked about week four. That's when Stephon Diggs yeah. goes for 120 and three touchdowns. Now, the last three weeks, as is breaking down the film, it's not like Diggs' production has just dipped. His usage on the field has dipped. Forty-five percent of the snaps, sixty percent of the snaps, and sixty-five percent of the snaps the last three weeks. His three lowest totals of the season. Now, what I'm fascinated about, Steve, is, is kind of how Vic looks at it and goes, what, "What's kind of happening here with Diggs? Do I have to shadow him with what's happening with the Bills?" And the <laughs> Bills are saying that you know they're running the football more frequently. That's why he's not getting the run. You know, he do- he demands a double team. That's why his production's down. I'm like, well, if you're constantly doubled, you probably shouldn't leave the field if you're getting that amount of attention. But it's been right. really fascinating to see what happens with Stefan Diggs. Now, Cam, I'm fascinated also when Diggs and Josh Allen, or as Vic Fangio calls him, John Elway on steroids, come down to Miami, (laughs) what type of advantage is that? And that's a brilliant quote, by the way. What type of advantage does Miami feel like they have that this important game is played down in Florida?
2: Yeah, John Elway on steroids is a heck of a quote, and Vic Fangio made sure to it's say, "I don't believe he's on steroids. I'm just trying to make the comparison—the oh, cannon arm that and way. everything. Someone's I'm not, I'm not trying to get way. Josh Allen <laughs> drug tested. I'm just trying to say, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. make the cop. Little <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Josh probably is not going to love that. Um, but the the reality is, the Dolphins have been a completely different team at home versus away. They're 7-1 and at home this season. Their only loss was that collapse late against Tennessee. And I talked to offensive lineman, left tackle Teron Armstead this week, and he explained it to me this way. You know all the motion they do pre-snap. He said, we have to go to silent count on the road. And a lot of time, the cadence is off. And if you're off by just a hitch, you know, Liam Eikenberg, their new center, it could affect... Our speed off the line, it could affect how they get the ball back to Tua and get that motion off to Tyreek. And he said a lot of times we've just been out of sync on the road. But at home, we feel like it's our domain. And he said that's why it's so important for us to win on Sunday and get this two seed so we can play at home in the playoffs. And so this is a team here in Miami that has played Buffalo their last three games in Buffalo. Three losses. The last time they played mm-hmm. in Miami was that Sun game, September 22, 2022, where it was 100 degrees on the field. But Miami won. And so we talked about all the injuries that they're debilitated on the defensive side of the ball. The Bills are walking into this game as favorites. But what could be the equalizer? Maybe the Dolphins home field advantage. If it helps their offense out with communication, maybe that helps them offset some of those injuries on the defensive side. Cam, that, that's a
5: great point about the home field communication because there's been some talk about that's the same thing that happens with the Dallas Cowboys when they go on the road, that here we go yeah. and all that type of cadence is very different. Steve loves with the crowd here we knows, go. I love it. It. <laughs> but it is what it is. But, I mean, it's just, it's just what it is at home and on the road. All right, Cam, we'll appreciate you so much. Have fun with this game. It is the big game of the week, and we're going to have you back on next week to talk about what's happening as we go into the postseason.
1: I can't wait, fellas. Appreciate you. Whatever success I have had, I've tried to go about my job the same way every week, win, lose, you know, good years, bad years, whatever they are, you know, just each week get ready to go for that week, do the best you can to help your team win, and after that game move on to the next one. And at the end of the season, that's the end of the season, but on a week-to-week basis. I mean, I don't want to spend time or get caught up in, you know, what happened five years ago or what's going to happen two years from now or, you know, I mean, a bunch of other random stuff. So just working on the Jets. Yeah, I'm committed to the team that I'm coaching right now. The players that are here, they deserve my best every day, and that's what I'm going to give them. You know, if I was going to do anything, I'd put it out there on, you know, Twitter and <laughs> and my face so everybody could see it. But I don't. You're saving it for the if I don't social- do that, then I'll just keep it private. <laughs> Well, that was Bill Belichick on WEEI in Boston. I'm surprised he said MySpace, Judy Batista. He usually says FaceSpace. That's usually how he combines Facebook and MySpace. I'm not sure if your MySpace profile is still active. But Judy Batista now joins the NFL Report with Steve Weich and I. And Judy, it's the most talked about topic. I've been in New England the last couple weeks. You and I sat next to each other during a game in New England over the last couple of weeks. And it's all anybody can talk about in that region. And we're all curious across the country. What is the timeline you think where a decision could come down after a conversation with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick.
3: I'd be really surprised if it happens immediately. You know how usually on the final Sunday we start getting dribs and grabs of job openings Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. I'd be surprised if that were the case here. There's an awful lot of history Mm -hmm. um, here. Whatever they decide to do, whichever direction it is, I suspect that there's going to be a long conversation. Um, I I don't Think that this has been an easy decision uh, for Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft. I mean, I, you know, they've been with Bill Belichick for 25 years and obviously enjoyed just staggering success. And so, even though the last mm-hmm. few years have clearly been disappointing, and this year especially has just been a mess, uh, you know, I, it's hard. I mean, this is not the same as making a decision, you know, about a coach who's been with your organization for two years. This is. Bill Belichick. And I think, you know, probably playing into it also is the fact that they they let Tom Brady become a free agent and then watch Tom Brady go win a Super Bowl for another team. And you know, all of New England is wondering if you get rid of Bill Belichick now, are you going to watch Bill Belichick go win it all somewhere else?
5: Oh, that fatalistic mentality that they have up there in the Boston region that it's all not going to work. But Judy, tell me this, because of that timeline, if they do wait in any way, does that put them behind an eight ball for teams that go ahead and have already made the decision or are planning on making decisions sooner?
3: You know, let's just play out the hypothetical because there's been a lot of conversation about would the Patriots try to get something in compensation, right? Would they try to trade Bill Belichick if right. somebody who wants him? Well, we all know this, right? Because of the Rooney rule, the NFL has sort of purposely slowed down the hiring process to get owners to interview a wider array mm. of candidates. Um, and so that slows the process down for everybody and so i'm not even sure how the mechanics of a trade would work with that in place because a team that maybe wants to hire bill belichick could negotiate a trade with the patriots for him but they would still have to interview other candidates to comply with the rooney rule so again that slows the process down um bill belichick has one more year left on his patriots contract and you know, the Patriots, as you probably remember, back in the day after he resigned as HC of the NYJ, the Patriots gave up a first round draft pick to get him. And so uh, obviously they would want some kind of return. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to get it. Um, and, and again, that that really sort of mucks up the timeline here.
1: It's fascinating, and, and you know, we're always curious, Judy, which teams are going to take a big swing, thinking that they can make a strike for Bill Belichick, even if they wanted to potentially trade for him. I'm thinking of a team that might want to make a big swing. Uh, his initials of the owner rhyme with Mark Davis, and <laughs> he does have an interim head coach right now in place in Antonio Pierce. He's in the same position he was before with Rich Passaccia. Does he look to make a big swing mm-hmm. because some people around the league think that's still in his you know, pocket? Or does he have the next head coach of the Raiders already in that position right
3: now? Well, I think Antonio Pierce has done a great job um, doing exactly what you would want an interim head coach to do, and that is he has brought positive yeah. energy. Obviously, they've won some games. They look revived. And he kept them in the playoff mm-hmm. mix until week 17. Right. The offense is a mess. That's not Antonio Pierce's fault, um, right? The quarterback situation, kind Great of a point. mess, right? There's, there's all kinds of big decisions coming for that team. But when you put an interim head coach, when you fire a coach in the middle of the season and put an interim in place, that is exactly what you want an interim to do. Bring the team together. Give them some positive energy. Improve the feeling in the building. All things that Antonio... Pierce has done. And I agree with you. I wonder how the Rick Versace, um experience uh, mm-hmm. plays in Mark Davis's head as he's making this decision. Having said that, Mark Davis likes big names. His dad liked big names. I mean, I, you know, there is certainly the feeling that the Raiders are Raiders and they need a big name head coach in, in Las Vegas. And there are going to be big name coaches uh, available. Um, You know, uh, Maybe it's going to be Bill Belichick. (coughs)
1: Sorry, God bless me, Judy. I
3: mean, uh, we'll know more after next (laughs) Monday after the national championship game. But is is Jim Harbaugh (laughs) serious this time about jumping back into the NFL? And if he does, right, and certainly hiring an agent like Don Yee suggests that maybe this is a little bit more than just a flirtation this year. But if he jumps, there's obviously going to be a lot of suitors for him as well.
5: And he represents Sean Payton, Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, some other uh, big people very too.
3: Well
5: yep. And also, their GM, Champ Kelly, has done a very good job. He's someone who's interviewed for GM yep. jobs before, so that might be a keeper as well. And, Judy, I, I want to go to Pittsburgh. And Mike Tomlin's not going anywhere, right? But their OC situation, he's already gotten rid of one, they've got an interim. And their quarterback situation, I mean, are they an O.C. away from, from from flipping the script? They still might get into the playoffs. Are they a quarterback away, or are they both away from turning the corner?
3: Well, listen, they may turn the corner mm. right now under this very strange condition, right? You, you, you get rid of your yep. O.C. in the middle, and then your offense is still so struggling, and then you're with the backup quarterback, and then it they really take off, and everybody's All happy, right. and yeah. you may go to the playoffs <laughs> anyway. Um I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, there's going to be an O.C. decision after this year, although the the situation they have now with with Mike Sullivan has has worked out really well. Um, And certainly they're going to have to figure out the quarterback situation, because even when Kenny Pickett was healthy, the um, the offense was sputtering. Um, They were not going downfield. George Pickens was unhappy. A a lot of offensive players were unhappy. That, I think, has also been a key difference since they went to Mason Rudolph, who I don't think anybody really views as the long-term answer, but... The thing he's brought to them is because he has gotten so many members of the offense involved, especially playmakers like George Pickens, right? Like they believe in him and they're playing for him. Last week, they also got the running game going finally, right? Najee Harris finally looked like the Najee Harris we thought they were drafting. So everything is starting to click for the offense now, but they've got big picture decisions to make, uh, in this offseason. Again, I'm not sure anybody really views Mason Rudolph has the long-term answer. He's done a terrific job here, and he may get them into the playoffs. But they'll they'll have to, you know, figure out the offensive coordinator situation. Perhaps they stay with what they've got right now, which seems to be working. And, and certainly they're going to have to figure out the, the starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that. You know, the way Mike uh, Tomlin thinks about his coaching staff and members of it, when he looks at this little run that Mike Sullivan's yeah. on running this offense, does he go – Maybe the the spot has already been filled by what has happened the last couple of weeks. Judy, thank you for joining us. Hopefully I'm sitting next to you in a press box during the postseason.
3: I I very much look forward to seeing both of you guys. And I would just add, Mike Tomlin, as you said, is really loyal to his coaches. So that will Mm count for something when he figures out his coaches.
1: Great point. Great point. Thank you, Judy. Coming up next on the NFL Report is a sharp-dressed man. It's J-O-K. Steve, I'm going to try to say his name. Jeremiah Owosu. Koromoa, is that right? Koromoa. He joins us next. J-O-K from the Cleveland Browns on the NFL Report.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
5: You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel, on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps.
1: Hey, how about that team win?
5: Hey, the journey
4: continues,
5: and we're just getting started. What you did tonight was you earned that second season. That's what you earned, okay? And what I saw tonight was, guys, you know what I saw? It was, I got your back. Uh, It was, I got your back and we had teammates on our sideline that weren't with us, okay? But they are with us, and they got our back. And what this team has showed time and time again is that I will fight my ass off for my teammates. Oh, JP, I am so excited for our next guest. we we'll have been trying to get him on for a minute. Yes. We're now joined by Browns linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. J-O-K, thank you so much for joining us here on the
6: NFL Report. Man, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you
5: guys for having me. Hey, before we get started talking football, okay, as you show up for work every Sunday, you are the cleanest-dressed guy in the NFL. Let's take a look look at some of the gear you rock before you put on the pads, and I want you to walk us through
6: some of this gear. Yeah, well, a lot of it um, from whether it's Ghana, whether it's Cote d'Ivoire, whether it's from Senegal, uh, Niger, uh, Mali, uh, really a lot of West African tapestry and a lot of West African garments uh, put together just to represent uh, the country and the motherland its own.
5: Well, look, you are representing big time. I mean, showing showing all kind of different styles and, and, yeah. and, the, and, and the fashion game. We absolutely respect them. I mean, look at that. Come on. JP, I know you have some of that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. No, yeah. I don't own anything like that. I try to look good on Sundays on the sideline, JOK, okay? but I, I, I'm not matching that. By any stretch. And, and listen, we heard the locker room speech there. You guys earned this yep. second season. You're locked into the five seed. You got 11 wins. So as I'm going to say the, the regular season, even though you got one more, is kind of in the rearview mirror. With everything you guys have been through this season, four quarterbacks to get the 11 wins, how do you describe this regular season? Is it, it, it insane? Uh, bonkers? What's the word that comes to mind when you look at what you guys were able to do this year?
6: Uh, I wouldn't necessarily give it a specific word, um, but I, I would uh, go back to that video that you just showed. And, uh, there in the bottom right corner, you saw the special teams coach. He had a helmet on. This is the special teams coach. And, and that is just a part of the <laughs> culture, just to be able to uh, you know, see guys express themselves, uh, coaches really clinging on to the players, uh, holding the standard, holding the ideology that we've set um, ever since the offseason and maintaining that day in and day out. Well, we also
5: heard, you know, your coach, Kevin Stefanski, say that win was an I got your back, but it seems like this season has been an I got your back. What about the character? You're in your third season there. What about the character you guys have built to get you to this point
6: as to where you're now the fifth seed in the playoffs? Yeah, well, you know, Coach Schwartz has it a lot of times, uh, you know, we come in and, and, you know, he says to us, hey, look, you know, I know we've been through a lot of challenges, but you know, it's the teams that have been through those challenges that have you know, uh, after December. You know, it's the teams that have been uh, through, you know, maybe a quarterback or two or a lineman or two or some linebacker. You know, I think it's those teams that have seen these different situations uh, that really have that edge. Uh, But, again, uh, those teams can't do that unless they build a culture of of discipline, perseverance, and uh, resistance, really. I mean, I think that that uh, really, you know, compiles exactly what you see here Including uh, Browns organization as we continue we to propel
1: ourselves. And you could say, Jeremiah, that's your defense, what you just said. What's the culture that Jim Schwartz has created with your group on that defensive side of the ball? You could ask Steve, since the beginning of the year, before the year started, I've been saying Jim Schwartz was the biggest offseason acquisition in the NFL. Yep. What has he done with you specifically, the way that you have played this year and the way that you have excelled, but also the way this defense has maybe grown from the beginning of the year, what Jim's doing with you guys, to maybe now heading into the postseason, how many different looks you can give out of this, and specifically what you've been able to do thriving in this defense.
6: Yeah, I always say, you know, even just taking the audit and taking the an evaluation of, you know, what great leaders are. Great leaders are people that have the best, you know, you know, so-called scheme or so-called plan, but I think that the best leaders are those who understand the players, understand the Warriors, um, and understand the personalities that they have around them and being able to put them in the right places uh, is something special. I think that Coach Warz does a great uh, job in putting us, uh, specifically me, specifically those players um, that have been that force for us, which is really everyone. Um, you know, I think he does a great job in allowing us to express ourselves and our strengths. Um, and I really, I think that that's the uh, the tell.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really shown up with you, too. I mean, more than 100 tackles for the first time in your career. You've got your first two picks. This season, so it really yeah. he's, he's allowed you to really show how dynamic of a player that you can be. We've got to talk about also the big story with the Browns, and that's Joe Flacco. Um, when he came in the building, and you hear like w- we're getting Joe Flacco, like like what was the what was the original response of the guys in the locker room? And now that he has done what he's done, become such a darling in that city, how have you guys embraced him, and how has he embraced you? Well, you know, Joe Flacco beat us splash. <laughs> so, yeah, that's you know, true. There was a bit of beef there. That's <laughs> true.
6: <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, man, uh, it's been a great, man, a great asset for us, allowing us to really do what we planned in the offseason. You know, it's tough to come in right away and do what he's just done uh, for a team—not uh, just a team, but an organization, not just an organization, uh, but for a city, man. These these fans have been waiting to uh, see the city propel itself football-wise and. You know we we are making those steps towards that. And Joe is a big part of that. Uh, he has a great experience and, and is able to uh, put everybody in the right positions and just control uh, and being the Eagles' most.
1: Jeremiah, I think I think Joe's going to be able to throw a football like he does right now till he's about seventy-five years old. That's just the way <laughs> he throws it. It's incredible. He's got an unreal arm. And it's nuts, right? It's it's crazy. I, I want to talk about the, the the guy that your head coach Kevin Stefanski has been really in his press conferences. He's been saying it to the media. That Miles Garrett deserves to be the defensive player of the year. And he's been going out there saying it probably because of the attention he gets, maybe some of the stats aren't where they should be. I'm curious how you and other players and Jim Schwartz with this scheme use the attention that Miles gets to your advantage. How do you guys do that?
6: I mean, he's already he's already an advantage. I think that teams get him yeah. interesting and rightfully do. I mean, you can take a look at these clips right here and just watch him dominate. Um, whether it's one, whether it's two, whether it's three players. Uh, and sometimes, you know, they may slide the whole line, you know, depending on what the, what the plan is to, to stop him. Uh, but he's a very versatile player. He, he sets the tone. And I think every team needs that tone setter. Every team needs that, uh, you know, one that set the tone, but also to finish out. Uh, so he, he speaks of that totality of a leader for us. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, progress as much as possible as we get into these playoffs.
5: Well, Jeremiah, hey, can't thank you enough, man. Awesome. We've been wanting to get you on the show for a minute. Congratulations on such a great season individually and collectively. Unreal. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys in the playoffs as well.
6: Yeah. what's up, man. Thank you guys for having me. Go Browns.
1: Oh, it, Browns fans are going to be nuts, Jeremiah, in the postseason. You know that. We know that. Coming up, Brian Baldinger, Baldy's favorite films, my favorite segment. What about the AFC South? Whatever team comes out of there. Are they going to be dangerous in the postseason? Baldy's going to break it down next.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
1: Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve White with you. I got my popcorn, so it's my favorite segment every week. It's Baldy's favorite films here yeah. on the NFL Report. Baldy, I know Steve loves the shirt right there. I Polynesian do. Polynesian football. I do. Uh, well, we mean Steve. We're connected like that. You yeah, we, mean we
4: Baldy. We we spend our time over in yeah. the islands yeah. <laughs> doing a number of different events for the Polynesian community. So we, it's it's close to our heart, man. Yes.
1: Oh, perfect spot for that patch to be. And listen, anybody who's listening or watching, we got this segment started late because these two were going at it about Polynesian coaches, everybody in the NFL. (laughs) It was going on and on. It was great. But listen, let's start this segment off, Baldy, with you still believe the Miami Dolphins are the most dangerous team in the AFC right now, even after that game against the Ravens. Why? I want to know why.
4: Because... Speed, speed, James, because if they put their four by 100 meter relay together healthy, like really healthy with Tyreek, Jalen, Raheem and J- Devon, H. Like if you put those four guys on the field, they change the game. And all of a sudden they go from a team that can struggle you know, like a lot of other teams to a team that can explode on you and they can turn it into a track meet. And, you know, even, you know, Devon was healthy last week. Um, like. Baltimore had a hard time tackling him. He got explosive plays in both the passing game. I just think if you put that all together, along with Teron Armstead and two of plays the way he's capable of playing, they could put up 30 on anybody. And you know how teams play in the postseason, James? Sometimes they play it pretty close yep. to the vest. Nothing about Miami will play it close to the vest. No. <laughs> fourth downs, you know, fourth and one, we're, we're, we're taking a shot down the field. We've seen plenty of examples over the last two years with Mike McDaniel. That they could play this thing on a on a track field, like literally on it as a track meet, and that might give some teams problems, including Baltimore, if they play it like that. Well, the thing is, the
5: track that track meet needs to be at Hard Rock Stadium down in South Florida, Baldy, because they, they need to win this game against Buffalo, so they're not making this this track run all the way, you know, on the road. Right. But I, I want to get something too because you know, we talk about playing Week 18. We have to finish this out. And you have so many teams who are all all of a sudden like, all right, we're taking the powder, we're sitting our guys. We know the competitive edge versus safety, getting into the playoffs. What about those decisions, and what what, what might be some teams that are taking the safe route that could actually impact their playoff
4: seating? Well, take the Rams for example. I mean, Stafford's not playing, so Carson Wentz is going to start, and who knows who else? Aaron Donald, I don't know, but we know we know Stafford's out, Wentz is in. They could change their seating. They can improve their seating. But I don't think it matters to Sean McVay. Like, he wants to make sure wherever he has to go, a wild card weekend, we're going with the healthiest group we can get. We know that Stafford, you know, has been nicked up at at various times. We know that, you know, the elbow has bothered him at times. You give him the golden right arm and a healthy core, Cooper, Nakua, Demarcus Robinson, whatever. Like, they could go play anybody and beat anybody. So I think health... It is sometimes it's just more important than seedings or who you play or where you play, because it really, to the Rams, mm-hmm. I'm using them as an example, but it could be other teams as well. Like to me, the Rams, they don't care who they play or where they play. They feel right. like they could beat anybody. The way the offensive line, Kyron, Stafford, Nakua, the way those young kids on defense, you know, Kobe and Byron, those guys have stepped up. They feel like they could take their game anywhere. And beat anybody. And, and to your point, Baldy, if they finish sixth in the, with the
5: sixth seed where they are right now, they're going to yeah. Detroit. But if they lose, they're the seventh seed, which means they're going either to Philly or yeah. to Dallas. And for, to, frankly, again, that's Sean McVay's We could care less. We don't we care. care. We're going on the road regardless. If it's cold, our team
4: is better, healthier than any team we could face. And, you know, look, look, you know, oh. five weeks ago, they went to Baltimore. You know, they went across the country against the defense and put up 31 and yep. looked good, dude. So, you know, if they got to go to Dallas, they got to go to Philly. I don't think Sean McVay cares. I think this, I think those Eagle fans would be scared to death if the Rams are coming to town. Right.
1: You you have to love that mentality going into the postseason, love right? But you know, your head coach just doesn't care where you play a game the confidence that he has in your group with the way you're playing right now. And we know a head coach that has a lot of confidence in his group, and he's focused on that side of the ball, and that's D'Amico Ryans and his group on the on the defensive side of the ball with the Houston Texans. What have you seen from that group of, as you sent us, castaways? There's guys like you know Kareem Jackson that's back in Houston down there playing the safety spot. They've had some injuries on that side of the ball to some key guys getting after the pass. Weather. Jonathan Grenard goes Whoa. down. Will Anderson's been battling an injury. What do you see yeah. from that group? So the castaways include, but not, you know, uh, exempt from,
4: um, you, Denzel Perryman, Jerry Hughes, yeah. Sheldon Rankins, mm-hmm. right? Steve Nelson. Like, you can just go through Blake Cashman. Like, you just go, they just picked up Tyre Tart, who got released by Tennessee. Oh, by the way, you know, I mean, he's, he, he's a good football player. Now, like, mm-hmm. and D'Amico takes all these guys. Now, look, they Jalen Petrie and Eric Stingley and, you know, and Will Anderson, like, yes, they've all drafted those guys. And they're really good young players. But, man, has D'Amico molded this group. It was interesting because last week I went from watching the Eagles on defense, which was dreadful, and I was throwing things at my screen about their effort, <laughs> not getting off block. And then I watched D'Amico's group last week, play defense, and I'm like, just like that, James. And I was like watching D'Amico's yeah. group, and I'm like, wait a second. This is how Philadelphia needs to play. They're not playing like this, but it was full metal jacket. And it was impressive. Like, they got to Tannehill. They knocked Will Levis out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made life difficult. They're, they've been at the top of the charts the last four weeks against the run. Derrick Henry can't gain a yard against that defense. It has really been mm-hmm. impressive to watch them play. Oh, oh by the way, you know, Des King is one of those castaways – been on a number of teams. Like all these guys can play and they've been given a chance. He's been released online to go start an impact game. Boy, Baldy, the Full
5: Metal Jacket reference now has me thinking about Pyle, has me thinking about Joker, has me just thinking about all the characters in that fantastic <laughs> classic <laughs> of a movie. But Baldy, okay, we've seen the Steelers' offense the past couple weeks improve. Now, Mason Rudolph has been good, but there's some other components that have helped him function well as well, right? Their
4: number one priority. In the offseason, Steve was to fix the offense line. So they went and signed Isaac Siamalo. Yeah. The Eagles kind of wish they still had him. hes I think he's played every snap this year. He's solidified the left guard position. He's made Dan Conner better. Um, they drafted Broderick Jones. I'm sure the Jets would love to, to have drafted him. They jumped in front of the Jets. Um, he And it's interesting because Broderick Jones didn't start right away. Um, he played a little left tackle. Found a spot at right tackle. Didn't play some of these young guys right away. But they have fixed their offense line. Darnell Washington in the blocking part of the game right now, the big tight end out of Georgia. Like they fixed their offense line. When you watch Najee now and Jalen Warren, it's a legit one-two punch that they're going to take to Baltimore this weekend. And it has showed up now pretty much every week for six straight weeks. And then, look, the reason why Mason has had time to get the ball down the field to, to George Pickens and to Deontay is they've given them a little extra time up front. Yeah. They protected him. We know Mason's not going to run away from a lot of people. He's got he's to be able to stand there five yards behind the center and be able to make these throws, and he's got the time to do that right now. You
1: know, I, I go back to watching them in Camp Baldy and watching Broderick Jones just standing there a few feet from it and Mike Tomlin just putting T.J. Watt against him, putting Alec Highsmith against him, just right. rep after rep after rep, trying to get him ready as quickly as possible to play a role, and now you're seeing it down the stretch. We're seeing growth from the Chicago Bears, Baldy. Not just on this defensive side yeah. of the ball, which on this show you've broken down a couple of times how well yeah. they're playing as a defensive unit. But almost all around, they seem like a bit a different team. And now going into Week 18, this is not going to be a layup by any stretch of the imagination no. for the Packers no, to finish this season. James,
4: it, it won't surprise me to see the Bears go to Green Bay and knock them out of the playoffs. I mean, this yeah. is their playoff. Exactly. This is, back, I mean, you know, I remember Fluss maybe week six, week seven, saying it's not showing up in the wins, but we're getting better. I'm like, uh, you know, it's got to show up in the wins. You got You can't let Detroit come back from 12 down with six minutes to go and lose and say you're getting better. Montez Sweat's made a difference. Jalen Johnson is a Pro Bowl mm-hmm. player. Um, Eddie Jackson right now, Jaquan Brisker, are a good safety tandem. The decision to go after T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds looks good. The development of Dexter and some of these young guys up front. But the biggest thing to me, and I think they have fixed the offensive line. um, Finally, Uh, they're really on their way. But to me, the the biggest difference is they can win in a variety of ways. Like they can line up in I formation and knock you off the ball, and they don't need the tush push. Khalil Herbert can go get you two yards and a touchdown like he did last week. Um, They can spread you out and let Justin Fields read. They can – um, they can move Justin and do half-field stuff with Cole Komet and D.J. Moore and some of that stuff. They can, they can strike deep down the field like you did right here to D.J. They could play in the snow like they did last week. Like, I've seen the team right now that has evolved into, okay, what do we got to do to win today? Oh, we have that ability to do that. Um, you, you need a four-minute drill at the end of the game to win it. I think they have that now. And, and, and along the way, mm. this kid – Justin Fields just keeps getting better and better. And whatever they decide to do with Justin Fields, his stock, if he goes to Green Bay and wins, like those first round picks and then some that will be tacked on yep. to you want Justin Fields his 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 stock is only rising. And it mm-hmm. I don't want to hear anybody tell me he can't read a defense. He can't. That guy has improved. He's a legitimate big time thrower right now. And it's it's been fun to watch because it's, it's sort of been up against them. But I think this whole thing has come together. Oh. It's might be my – it's easily one of my two or three favorite games of the whole week to, to watch, you know, when we get to the film. Oh, and yeah. One, one, yeah. Well, I, well, yeah. I, I love it, Baldy. I mean, the, 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 the Bears – again, this is
5: one of those things, if you're an owner, you have to say to yourself, I like where this is headed. But, it's again, old. they've got some decisions yeah. to make. Hey, Baldy, Mahalo. Big decision. Mahalo. Mahalo. We love you being part of the NFL Report, Ohana. Okay, (laughs) I feel the Ohana. You feel the Ohana. Feel the Ohana. All right, James. That means family. We're all family right here. This is our Ohana. I knew that. So there we go. So we are finished with Baldy. We appreciate it. See you next week, Baldy. Have a good week. Coming up, the Rams and Niners play Week 18. And it's the life comes at you fast segment for a couple quarterbacks. We'll be back next on the NFL report, which is also a podcast. Make sure to listen.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: Hey, it's James Palmer, and you're listening to the NFL Report Podcast along with myself and Steve Weiss. But remember, if you want to see our beautiful faces, this is a show at 7.15 Monday and Thursday, that's 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and we are on the NFL app, as well as fast streaming platforms. That's Tubi, that's Roku, that's Pluto, that's Peacock, all of those platforms, as well as the NFL.com NFL channel. Find us all of those spots.
5: All right, welcome back to the NFL Report for the final segment. A little housekeeping, JP. Want to let everybody know we will not be on next Monday as usual, but we will air on Tuesday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's right, we're going late night just because of scheduling issues right here. But we will be on Thursday as usual on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto, wherever you find us on your fast channels. But we are also a podcast. This show is a fantastic listen as a podcast. And you can also catch us on the NFL's YouTube channel, so we're everywhere, James, we're worldwide, you know, and and real quick, as we go into week 18, I want to hit you, I know we call this Lost Headlines, but this is the Life Comes At You Fast segment, because this weekend, the 49ers and the Rams, they finish things out, playing their backups, but this will feature the former number three overall pick Sam Darnold versus the number two overall pick Carson Wentz in a battle of Quarterbacks who didn't quite live up to their potential but could prove valuable should there be an injury in the postseason, JP.
1: Fascinating how quickly things move, Steve, as well as I don't know anyone around the country is talking about a repeat with the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And I find that fascinating. That's how quickly things have changed in Kansas City with the way the offense is operating. But this is still one of the best defenses in all of football. Could they find a way in the postseason? If anybody could do it, I would say it would be Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to flip a switch come the postseason and turn things around offensively. Just fascinating. But at the same time, Steve, we are going to see Patrick Mahomes play on the road. For the first time in the postseason, most likely, he has never done that. It is a new season here for the Kansas City Chiefs. Fascinating for both of us. I'll see you guys late night, Steve and I, on Tuesday's edition
0: of the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else
0: we've ever lived.